Sylvain, thanks so much for joining me today uh, for this podcast. Very excited to have you uh, on here and uh, very excited for TPFG to be participating in the Business Mastery Exchange. We had a great conversation last week when we talked about uh, just what 2020 has uh, meant for you guys, what it's meant for IFG and how uh, crazy of a year it's been so far. And one of the things you had mentioned was that TPFG was pandemic proof. And so just wanted to learn about uh, how TPFG is is kind of getting through 2020 and, and what you meant by that statement, uh, pandemic proof. You bet. Well, Mike, first and foremost, thank you for having us on um, I remember when we met in Mexico at the top producer meeting, we, uh, we had a great presentation, fantastic interaction with the uh, top advisors of the firm, and really kind of tried to determine how we we're going to attack 2020. And I think we can all agree things have changed. Uh, when I mentioned that our firm was pandemic proof, it actually spoke to kind of the disposition that our firm has in terms of how it views our business and how we interact with advisors and how we attract new clients. Uh, pandemic proof simply means that we're adaptable. And in the grand scheme of things, that is the uh, single best word to use for uh, advisors in the field and companies. Uh, if you're able to be adaptable, you're pandemic proof. Uh, case in point, um, when asking uh, competitors as well as advisors, how's your year going? Everybody's had to reimagine, rethink their business in terms of how do I operate is the easy one, but how do I attract new clients? How do I, I continue to grow in an environment where I can't shake a hand, do an event, that kind of thing. And I, uh, I believe that the Pacific Financial Group not only uh, has a great product set for this marketplace, but I think we adapted our activities as a sales team and our activities as an operation team to not only uh, service the advisors that have made us successful to this point, but more importantly, assist our advisors in attracting new business with some of the products and services that we offer. Uh, when talking to some of our top advisors, a handful in fact at IFG as well, if we were to say, how's your year going? Many of them have said that they have seen an uptick in the business when working with the Pacific Financial Group. And I think that has a lot to speak to uh, our core product, or as I like to say, a solution set that few really pay attention to, and that's our 401k pre-retirement solutions program. In short, when we walked into this pandemic, the 401k was, and, and 401k, 43B, 457, is easily the most ignored asset in planning for retirement. And uh, while we've had market swings in years past, and, and clients get statements in the mail and they don't even look at them. They're like, eh, if the market's up, I'll look at my statement. If it goes down, I just kind of file it aside. And, and it's almost like a, a, not just ignored, it's dismissed. We're just not going to talk about it. Well, this year was different. Um, not only was, uh, was the stock market just going straight down as fast as we've seen ever, we then sent everybody home with a laptop. And then we said, hey, you're gonna do virtual learning if you're a student, you're gonna do virtual work if you're an employee, and we're just happy to be working. The problem was we had the TV on in the background, we watched the market just capitulate and dive straight down. At the very same time, we're sitting in front of our computer and going, hey, I wonder how my 401k is doing today. And all of a sudden, the most ignored asset in financial planning became the most topical asset in financial planning. And when you look at our product set and specifically our flagship program, that 401k pre-retirement solutions program that provides in-plan advice at the participant level, 
you can start to understand why we've seen an uptick in our business, not a, a little one. I think it's about a 30% uptick in business so far this year. And it has a lot to just with lot to do with delivering the services that are needed when they're needed. And uh, I hate to say that the pandemic has, has made our core product set more valuable. Yeah, that makes sense. We're hearing uh, kind of the same thing on our end as well. A 30% uptick is is obviously um, uh, a very big achievement in a year like 2020. Um, so it sounds like you guys are doing pretty well. I know our advisors are doing pretty well. What I noticed right out of the gate is the advisors that reached out to their clients first typically ended up with clients that um, ended up sending referrals uh, several months later and even now. So uh, what have you guys seen um, work for advisors uh, during this pandemic as far as reaching out to clients and being proactive and even acquiring uh, new you know, prospects uh, through a, a virtual uh, environment as opposed to in-person? Yeah, and uh, again, now that the, uh, the the workplace has changed, we've decentralized the employer and where everybody uh, goes to work uh, to everybody's home. So we're becoming more accustomed to Zoom meetings, uh, virtual meetings on any technology platform. And I think that means that the interaction that employees have with one another is, is also online, whether uh, through a cell phone or, or laptop. So I think if we kind of look at that question and say, okay, uh, how have we seen uh, our business grow in terms of referrals? Uh, I, I think it's fair to say it's that is the uptick. Um, it's simply because everybody is uh, working online and talking online. You can get referrals online. So a virtual client acquisition strategy is simply to say you're changing the communication base from in-person to somewhere else, and in this case, online. And uh, for, for what we do, that's actually a huge win. And I think you touched upon it. Uh, for those advisors that reached out to their clients first and said, hey, how are things going? Show, show them that you care uh, is, is part one. That goes without saying. Uh, show a little empathy, uh, understand the challenges that are in front of them, and solve the problems. Once we establish that rapport, that, that level of trust, and that's the most important component, taking that to the next level is super easy, especially if a planned participant, a client that's still working, doesn't have a lot of confidence in what they're doing. And if I were to ask just a couple questions like, hey, how's your 401k? They're like, man, not looking good. Well, how do you select the investments? I can't remember. Have you ever re rebalanced or reviewed them to make sure that the risk is consistent? I, I don't think I've ever done that. W would you like my help? I I'd love to make sure that you're well taken care of. And once you get that, it's like, hey, anybody else you interact with online that can benefit from having more confidence in planning for retirement? I'd love to be introduced. And I think when you look at the world through that world of introductions, not referrals, I don't want names and numbers or handles on LinkedIn. Would you mind introducing me to your client? Sorry, your friend, your coworker, somebody that you like, that you can, you can sense they're not comfortable with how things are going. That's where our top advisors have actually had a ton of fun. Not only have they been providing this service to their existing clients, they're actually finding new avenues to being introduced and, and getting new clients. And after a while, it becomes uh, viral. It's infectious. It's easy to have that conversation with an existing client, maybe even only 45 or 90 days after they became a client. Hey, do you feel better about your plan for retirement? Uh, do you feel more confident in getting there on time with enough money? 
do you know anybody else at work that would benefit from having more confidence in this planning process? And uh, for top advisors, they're just having a ton of fun in those conversations because it makes them not only feel like they're making a better difference in the community that they serve, but it makes, uh, I think, this virtual environment as normal as it can be and, and is, I'm going to say from a feeling standpoint, as good as it can be from a, I, I'm making a difference. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I kind of wondered how you guys would do in this type of environment, given that um, I can see the referrals coming from uh, employees telling other employees that they have this great service and, hey, their 401k actually is doing OK in a time where, uh, you know, most probably aren't. Um, so I think it's interesting that they're still getting those referrals. Do you guys do any coaching with the advisors on, on kind of how to coach the client almost and how to ask for that referral from coworkers? Since, you know, discussing financials with coworkers is a, a bit of a sensitive point and something that generally might be a little bit uncomfortable to, to discuss. Yeah, I, uh, I remember when I got in the business, I was told, hey, the, the lifeblood of this business is referrals. So get names and numbers. Um, that doesn't work. Uh, that, that, that feels a little much for me. Uh, at least I never got comfortable with it. I know many advisors that did and have been tremendously sex, uh, successful. Uh, that said, uh, we do. In fact, uh, we have a playbook on our website. It's under advisor resources and marketing literature. And uh, that playbook actually kind of looks at the world through the lens of not, not everybody's the same demographically. You've got baby boomers, you've got millennials, you've got Gen Xers in between. And while the goal is the same, retire on time with enough money, the challenges to overcome that are different. And we have to speak to those challenges so that our messaging is on point. So the playbook actually talks a lot about that. And then also those setup questions that basically just uh, confirm the lack of confidence that a, a current client or a future referral the lack of confidence they have in the planning process, the lack of confidence they have in getting to retirement on time with enough money. So we, we've actually added into the playbook those questions as well as a sample conversation, which changes the nature of what we say from, hey, it's wealth management, let me uh, manage risk. And every time you use the word manage, um, at least for me, I'm a Gen Xer, that feels like micromanage. And I don't like micromanage. Um, I don't think anybody on the planet has ever said, I love micromanagement. That's what it kind of feels like, right? So if I turn around and say, listen, um, this isn't a wealth management product. This is a wealth development product that allows me to give you in-plan advice for on-time retirement. Or you can say something a little differently and say, uh, our 401k pre-retirement solution program, something we've partnered with a firm with three decades helps us develop the wealth that you're going to need to retire on time with enough money. You're getting the theme there. It's developmental. And I think if I could use a Schwab study number, uh, just came out a couple uh, couple months ago, and it was on 401k participants, and they, uh, they surveyed a whole bunch of them and said, how much money are you going to need to retire? The number that came back was $1.9 which is a big number, but it's, it's not wrong. So if I Take that number and say, uh, are your rollovers 1.9 million on average? And uh, I'm going to get a no answer for most advisors. So what are you doing to help build bigger rollovers? How are you providing in-plan advice to build a $1.9 million rollover? And do your clients know just how much money they're going to need? And if, if that's not the number, it's a different number. Fabulous. But how do you get there? And are they on track? And making that difference in plan is, is huge. So... 
Yeah, that, that makes sense. And one of the things that we're noticing just on the consumer side, when I'm looking even at uh, reports outside of the financial world, is that um, clients are starting to uh, kind of consolidate their business with just a couple key vendors. And then on our side, they're starting cons- to consolidate their assets to one advisor where, you know, a typical high net worth client might have four advisors, maybe the typical advisor or typical client has three advisors. So really trying to consolidate down to one. So for me, it seems like you have this nice niche where you can actually cut out that last advisor because in many cases, you just have two advisors. You have your financial advisor and then the, the guy who runs the 401k. Such a great point. Uh, you're exactly right. And I think uh, everybody, uh, I'll say the individual plan participant, the client, uh, tends to watch the media and we're all told, hey, uh, pick three advisors, give them a third of the money at rollover, and whoever does the best at the end of the first year, you know, throw it over to them, which is really just a recipe for disaster because everybody's going to try to outrisk the other guy. Um, what we do is clearly different. It, it changes the conversation from uh, performance exclusively to goals-based. How, how are we tracking and achieving the goal is, is really how the conversation should be. And, and most financial planners understand that. What's awesome about um, starting upstream, working with plan participants in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, individuals that have anywhere from 10 to 40 years worth of savings to go into an account before it becomes a distribution-oriented asset is critical. Uh, Not only does it rejuvenate your AUM because it's contribution-oriented, not distribution-oriented, you're working with a younger client, meaning you're going to have a lot longer to work with that, I'll say, growing revenue base. But it also, in my opinion, makes your practice a lot more scalable. And that's the one that gets overlooked. It's scalable because working professionals are busy. Working professionals have two kids that do soccer and gymnastics and activities. And especially now working from home, they're looking for excuses to get out after five o'clock just to do something. So they're unbelievably busy, which means they don't have time for quarterly reviews. They're not micromanaging you as you might micromanage them on their assets and their yield and how much income's coming in. They're looking at the goal and are they moving in the right direction? Are they ahead of pace, behind pace? Do they need to do more or less to achieve it? And that means those annual conversations are planning centric, goals based, and far easier to manage a larger client base, which is now necessary to be successful in this business. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, for me personally, having some of my my meetings as, as a client of, uh, you know, the various people that I work with, I've really appreciated the ability to jump on and, and do the telehealth and teledocs and, and meet with people virtually. I just I don't have to drive places. I'm, I'm busy myself. You're busy. It's very convenient to do things virtually when I can still see their face and they can see mine. So do you think this is uh, this virtual environment, something that will uh, will uh, uh, you know, stay with us past the pandemic? Uh, I think it has to be a tool in our toolbox. Um, I, I'm, I'm an individual that much prefers social interaction. I know a lot of people feel a ton more comfortable being online. I think we just have to look at it as a different strategy for not just onboarding clients, uh, not just attracting new clients, but I think to your point, servicing existing clients. And I think it's the servicing, which is going to be the biggest pickup. Everybody's more comfortable with technology, more comfortable once the relationship is established. Uh, For me personally, I have a disposition that relationships are best forged in person. Um, But I think from a maintenance standpoint, if you are doing quarterly or semi-annual or annual reviews, 
to make every second or third or fourth one online is a huge uh, leverage opportunity for practices out there. That goes without saying. That's great. Uh, anything else you guys are doing um, uh, that you can kind of attribute some of the success you've had to this year? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, it goes without saying for those advisors that already know our firm and, and have for years now, uh, we created a very unique solution. And to do that out of the gate, we had to manage everything ourselves from conservative portfolios to aggressive and uh, we've always had a disposition of uh, active management and alpha-seeking uh, solutions. Uh, for those that uh, were at uh, the Top Producer Conference uh, earlier this year, you got a quick little insight that uh, we were upgrading and significantly upgrading from a single manager solution of years ago to a multi-manager approach we embraced three years ago. But the huge upgrade that occurred this year is our ability to partner with American Funds, Fidelity and BlackRock. So within that 401k pre-retirement solutions program, we launched a more platform-oriented approach, what we call Strategy Plus. And it uh, allows us to feature the intellectual capital and personality of all these different managers, you know, Fidelity, BlackRock, American Funds, PIMCO, BNY, and many others, so that we gave the advisor kind of control on the personality of the portfolio that they select. So from strategic to tactical, from actively managed to passively managed, we have a variety of different uh, portfolio options that feature that personality at different levels of risk. So I think when you walk into an environment uh, for existing clients and you want to say, hey, here's what's new at Pacific, we had a whole bunch of cool things to talk about, but equally as important the power of some of those brands is unheard of. And I think for advisors to say, hey, I, I know American Funds and their growth model. That's fantastic. That's now available in my client's 401k. So instead of uh, six different target date funds, I can now actually build a portfolio that replicates what I do on, uh, on the platform already outside of the 401k. Um, it really changed the dynamic of our conversation with advisors and gave them the control to determine what is the best way what is the way I'm comfortable presenting asset management, making sure we deliver on those expectations. So I think the new partnerships that we made uh, and upgraded to this year, the new models that, uh, that came out of that have been a good shot in the arm, not just for the advisors that know us, but actually attracting new advisors as, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the names you're mentioning are top 10 in the world, right? I mean, they have trillions of dollars under management, do a fantastic job. Um, you know, for us on Access Point, our, our you know home office advisory platform, we have hundreds of managers and, and it's fantastic that you have that much choice. Um, uh, sometimes it's a double-edged sword, though, where there's just too much to choose from, right? So for kind of advisors that are currently doing business uh, with you that are thinking about making a change, how do you help them decide which portfolio to go with? How does that conversation start with the client? And uh, are they offering them all the portfolio solutions or are they just kind of starting with one or two and putting it in front of the client? Uh, it's a good, good way of looking at it. Uh, our interaction is mostly with the advisor. And first and foremost, when you take all these different options and then you categorize them by risk and say, well, uh, my client's a moderate risk. What do you have in the moderate category? There aren't a huge number of choices. There's probably six or seven to pick and choose from. And each of those options have a very distinct and different personality to it. So really, when our sales team engages with advisors, it's pretty simple. Hey, how do you, how do you manage stuff on Access Point? What do you like about 
this strategist or that manager, and then we'll go, great. So based on what you're saying, you like active management, but your clients are younger, so you want more of kind of a passive Okay, great. Here are a couple of things to consider. Then we can go through fact sheets to make sure that uh, everything's lined up. So it's actually an active conversation with the advisor. And then certainly when the advisor takes that to their client, say, listen, for years, I've been managing money a certain way when we do a rollover an IRA. And I now have that capability inside your 401k so that we get some alignment on that methodology, that personality. So for, for uh, myself personally, as well as our sales team, it's a, it's a pretty fantastic conversation to have with advisors because they're finally getting something that they're already familiar with. They don't have to learn something new. They just have to apply what they know into a 401k and then just be that accumulator. The guy that goes out finds new business. And um, obviously, I'm pretty sure that uh, advisors today are trying to figure out how to do just that. This is an entirely new conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we look at our businesses, there's a lot of parallels between your sales team an advisor in their office, maybe a junior advisor. So I'm kind of curious, what's working well for your sales team in reaching out to advisors? What are they doing uh, now that they're not meeting in person? What's working well for for them? I think for top advisors, um, top advisors have already gone through kind of a growth. They've either uh, segmented their practice and, uh, and qualified everybody A, B, and C. Uh, they've brought in a junior, a pair of planner, something like that. Um, and ultimately, successful advisors understand where their time is best spent, which is going to be that A-list guy, the, uh, I'll say the household that has uh, the most revenue associated to their practice. Now, for those segmented practices, for those practices that have added juniors and things like that, it's really a conversation of looking at not the A's, they're well taken care of. You've done the rollover, fabulous, you've already got them on access point. But now it's the B's and the C's, and it's not their B's and C's in terms of opportunity, they're B's and C's in terms of revenue or AUM or whatever you want to call it. And it's possibly because you don't have enough of their wallet share. And it's simply that 401k that's ignored, that 401k that's not under management, it's under influence, it's lined up to be rolled over on the mystical and magical 59th and a half birthday, but it's not there yet, so there's still a B or a C. That opens up a whole new segment for that junior advisor, that paraplanner, to really start that dialogue on wealth development. So it's almost to say you've got two tracks in a practice. Here are my wealth management clients, 500,000 and above, whatever that might be. Here are my wealth development clients, and they can they can certainly grow to be well beyond five hundred thousand. That's it's not to say there's an income limit or revenue limit on there, but as soon as you change that focus to hey, let's develop the wealth you're going to need to retire. We got a program designed specifically for you, and the assets that we're used to working outside of your four hundred one k are very similar inside your four hundred one k now with the partnership that we have with the Pacific Financial Group. So I think you know from a a business organization standpoint, every advisor's practice is different. Our sales team is well equipped to sit down with the the lone wolf, the sole practitioner, all the way up to the big branches and really kind of determine what the best, best path is to adopt this wealth development conversation into the business. That's great. And uh, earlier you mentioned you were a, a Gen Xer, I believe. And I thought that was uh, interesting because there's been so many studies out talking about millennials and the next generations and um, how they don't want to work with financial advisors. And it seems like we're seeing the opposite of that. And I kind of mentioned it in the intro video that was on uh, the Business Mastery Exchange. Um, have you seen any trends uh, on your guys' side of, of millennials and younger people wanting to work with advisors uh, in the 401k space? 
You know, it's, uh, I've actually done a lot of reading on this topic as I was uh, participating in, in developing the playbook that I talked about earlier. Uh, what surprises, uh, I'll say surprise me and surprises advisors uh, is the simple fact that millennials have better savings habits than uh, Gen X and baby boomers uh, as a percentage of income. Their accounts aren't as big, but they've actually got better habits. In terms of what they want from their online platform or a personal advisor, I think it's easy early on when the account balances are low to rely on online tools only and the Google for all information. But I think it hasn't become real for them yet. So as accounts grow, as you get the, you know, that magical $250,000 account balance or that half million dollar account balance and a 10% pullback, 20% pullback, starts to test their fortitude, their discipline, that's where advisors are going to be more meaningful. Um, not because they shouldn't be involved earlier, but because the things that were assumed to be easy are no longer easy and they become emotional. So I don't think millennials have uh, figured out how to uh, disassociate emotions from investing. They just haven't been challenged in that regard yet. So back to the virtual environment, can we engage with millennials and Gen Xers online now in a more basic, simple service model? And then as they become more, uh, I'll say astute in financial products and services, but also as they become more wealthy and prone to making behavioral decisions, do we have an upgraded platform for them on access point or anywhere else for that matter? So I think, um, I don't know if I can say there are enough millennials that we work with that uh, that have said, hey, love getting online advice or love in-person advice. I don't think we're all the way through that yet, but I do know that uh, ignoring millennials right now would be to ignore long-term and, and future growth. Uh, I think for advisors that decide to provide in-plan advice to improve investor outcomes and, and get them there on time with enough money, that is fantastic. Uh, we love working with advisors with that disposition. So not only are you engineering your future big rollover, but you also have to understand that millennials and Gen Xers are the beneficiaries of that transitional wealth from baby boomers when they pass on. So not only are you doing what you need to do to get your community of, of clients to retirement with enough money, but you're now going to benefit from all this transitional wealth that uh, at the point in time where you're supposed to be hitting your stride, you're going to be hitting your stride and even faster than you think because of that kind of more youthful client base to start with. So that's a really good point. And uh, one of the programs we've been working on here internally is providing advisors with the ability to help their best clients uh, get their children ready to inherit the wealth that they'll eventually inherit. So we have a financial planning program we set up for that. And we're seeing advisors now start to uh, you know, position this as almost like a Christmas gift. You know, you can basically buy time with me for your kid and we'll, we'll work uh, with your with your kid to uh, become uh more more financially educated um and so that's that's a program we're seeing but yeah that, that's a point that i didn't think about before which is you know if you have your clients who have already rolled the money over and you're managing that you know encouraging maybe them to reach out to their their kids and see if their kids need help in their 401ks that could be an opportunity there it sounds like uh absolutely and i think uh we've had a number of advisors and uh they they use the term beneficiary event um in years past when you could do events in person, I guess, 
but it wasn't beneficiary events in terms of, you know, hey, what do I need to do with my trust? Uh, do I need to let my kids know what their roles and responsibilities are? That's certainly one version of it. But it was actually more kind of a beneficiary focus because while most parents have probably done a really nice job bringing, bringing up their kids as upstanding citizens and uh, independent and kicked them out of the house at age uh, 36 or 26 or, or 18, who knows? But the one thing I've learned is uh, a lot of parents haven't done a great job financially educating their kids, and um, they don't want to really admit that. Uh, so outsourcing that to the advisor is a good first step. And I also think that as a parent of, uh, well, now four teenage girls, um, I'm going to be super happy if they are financially independent on their own. I'd like to make sure that in the future that uh, when I pass, I leave them a whole bunch of money so that they never have to work again. But to be honest, they actually have to stand on their own two legs. And I'm going to be a, a proud dad if I've got four daughters that are uh, in and out of college, uh, married and setting up their own families and aren't dependent on me and uh, actually not just doing okay, but thriving because they're financially sound in their approach. So I think if you were to ask your existing clients, all retired, hey, this is a financial literacy month and really a kind of a beneficiary focus month for us. We want to make sure that your kids and your future, obviously, transitional wealth outlets, your kids are well taken care of. We actually have new wealth development programs that assist them with the biggest asset they should have in planning for retirement, which is the 401k. And we'd love to be introduced to them early so that they get instilled with those healthy habits and a disciplined approach and know that we're a resource to them. Those types of introductions, again, call it a referral, uh, put names and numbers on a page, or just, hey, would you be able to introduce me to your son, daughter, so that we can make that introduction, make sure that we're a resource, if nothing else. Those are pretty easy conversations. And again, rejuvenating your AUM, just doing it a little differently. Oh, I love that. Um, I know we're uh, up against our time here soon. So I wanted to just kind of give you the last word here and see if there's anything else you wanted to share. Um, yeah, actually, it's a very simple line. I take no credit for it. Uh, a gentleman on our staff said it first. and I was like, dude, you're absolutely on point. And um, it was this. The value of advice has never been greater. It's that simple. I think in a world in which information is being thrown at us politically, medically or otherwise, it's really easy to, uh, to let our emotions run, run amok and, and make very poor financial decisions. So the value of advice, the services that everybody uh, in an advisory capacity at IFG provide to their clients is huge. Don't underestimate how valuable that is. I think this year has proven our worth and uh, if done correctly, really kind of set the foundation for years to come. That's fantastic. And um, if one of our advisors wants to reach out to you or your team, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Um, easiest way is through the website, tpfg.com. Uh, you're already on your laptop. <laughs> so go to our website, look up all the resources that we make available there. But if you go uh, in the section about us, you go to team, you'll have our full territory map. And based on your phone number and where you live, you'll have a dedicated person that answers your phone answers your questions, gets you caught up to speed on uh, all of our programs, including our flagship program on the 401k side. Perfect. Well, Sylvain, thank you so much for uh, the time and the partnership. Love working with your team and uh, congrats on a successful year so far. And I just wanted to uh, say thank you again and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Fantastic. Thanks for having us. Can't wait to see you all in person. Absolutely. Thank you.